This is Pastor Nathan Kirk, and I am so glad that you have decided to make Greater Life a part of your day by tuning in to the message that you're about to hear. We here at Greater Life are a group of people that are passionate about living for Christ, as well as service one to another. From our worship services, classes, and messages, we strive to love and serve with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I hope you enjoy the message you're about to hear, that it is a blessing to you, and that in turn you may be a blessing to others. If you're searching for a church to call your home, I encourage you to join us here at Greater Life. ...who was righteous, the fundamental aspect is you must be stepping. You must be in motion. Okay? You step. You have to step first. That's when God orders the steps. You don't sit there and say, God, open the door and then step. When it says the steps of a righteous man are ordered... He's already in motion. Already in motion. Okay? And so here's kind of what I'm, I'm going to introduce this very, very quickly because um, how many of you enjoyed this study so far these past couple weeks? You guys enjoying this? Yeah? Okay. All right. One of the things we've done, Pastor Kirk and I have done, is we've taken this, this study and we've had a little bit different form. You've noticed that the, your Wednesday nights have gone a little bit longer. Okay? We're reading out of two books. We're reading out of the Bible. We're, uh, we've got a, a pretty extensive series going on. But we've adjusted the form so that the, the Wednesday night's a little bit longer because there's more richer discussion. There's collaboration. Okay? So you've got 10 minutes of collaboration amongst your groups. We'll go back and have open discussion. But we've been having a rich discussion going forward just collectively. That's why Wednesday nights have been going a little bit longer. But here's what happened. There's going to come a point in time in which this is a good, good series, but this series will end. It's going to sunset. Okay? All these rich discussions, all these things, you know, Mr. Lee, you've had a gem every single night. Lee, you, we've, we've heard some, we've been gleaning things from not just the persons that's standing behind that pulpit there, but from everybody in the room. But here's what's going to happen. There's a point in time in which this will sunset. And as a church, okay, no matter how good or rich this study is, what's going to be, I'll say, a true test of whether this study actually made an impact is you and I have, have to. Hear me now. If you don't take anything away from tonight, we have to go. We've got to start stepping. We've got to start putting these things into practice, into motion, into action. We've got to start moving. There has to be some application. That doesn't mean you're going to have all the answers. That doesn't mean you're going to have, have, have a place to go to. Okay? You're going to go some places and God's going to shut some doors. Don't let it irritate you. Don't let it frustrate you. He's going to open some doors. Okay? If you come through a door that's closed, okay, just keep on going to the next door. God's going to open some doors and close some doors to redirect our course. But when we talk about that course, it takes into account that you and I are already stepping. We're already in motion. Does that make sense? Comments, questions, thoughts? Okay. I begin to kind of think about this, this, this series tonight, and one of the things that really resonated with me is um, if you've ever had a chance to, to walk with David Dunnigan and like walk side by side with him, it's a thing of marvel. Okay. David, can you come up here for a second?
first came here from Georgia, and you know, he told me how kind of the, the program that he has that they they have him come and they have him. They pretty much put you, send you the rules right off the bat. So they, they send you out there, and he navigates his surroundings very, very, very well. Okay, and when he first got here, it was a Wednesday night. And I, I had the opportunity. He just told me a little bit about you know where he's from. Um, he says, "Hey, I'm just trying to figure out Minneapolis. I'm just trying to find out about the place." And so him and I, on Wednesday night, um, walked him down from 40th. And you, I don't know if you remember this, but we walked down to the bus stop. And he walks down to the bus stop, and it's pitch black. And the entire time, David is walking, and he's, he's again, he's walking. He's, obviously, you know this, but he, he uses two primary senses that you and I don't utilize. And he utilizes these senses to a peak. He walks by what he hears and what he feels. Everybody understand that? And so as we walked down 40th, he'd come to one curb, and he could feel where the divot would, would step down, and he'd step up, step down with it. He'd take a stick, and he'd feel where the divot raised up, and he'd go up to the next curb. We got to 40th, and all the sounds of the buses in Central, and everything is going past. The bus stops, and, you know, it makes that noise. It's that compression noise, and the, the, the stairs come down, and they have the automated uh, crosswalk signals. So you can push them now, and they're, they're all automated. And he's picking up all of these, and he, he operates in his natural realm based on what he hears and what he feels. Hear me now. How this man operates in the natural realm is based on what he hears and what he feels. That's the same thing I'm trying to tell the church. You and I are going to have to get to a point where we do not operate based on what we see, but what you hear from the preached word of God and what you feel in the spirit. It's coming to a point where the night is getting extremely dark. And if you cannot get to the point in which you can operate based on what you hear from the pulpit, the preached word of God, when somebody is praying with you over the altar and they're speaking words of life into you right then and there, you're going to have to operate based on what you hear, not what you see. And what happens is when you begin to understand that what he does is... He believes and trusts what he hears. That's what he trusts, what goes in here. He doesn't trust what's what's in here. He trusts what he hears in here and what he feels. And so if you ever see him walking with the Wilsons, he takes those directives, turn left with this, but believe and trust. He believes, believes and trusts. That's what he operates off of. But his belief and trust is not based on what he sees. His belief and trust is based on what he Go to the next slide for me. Some of you have heard me say this before. Next slide. Believe and trust. That's the bat. Hold on for one second. That's the bat. That's that's the way I like to think of it. The bat. Okay? Believe and trust. You know how the bat navigates? Okay? Bats navigate by what you call echolocation or what you call biological sonar. So what that means is they emit sounds, okay, and they're able to move with precision in the night, okay, and what they do is they emit those sounds and it bounces back, and the feedback that they get that they can hear is how they can, they can navigate with precise precision. doesn't matter what it looks like because they're operating based on what they can hear. Again, 
you and I are going to get to the point where we're going to have to operate based on what we hear and what we feel. Be like the bat. Can you and I operate like the bat? Can you understand that when you emit those prayers, the feedback that you get from those prayers, that's what you're going to have to rely on based on what you see at your work situation, not based on what you see with your living situation. Maybe your marital situation is not the best. It may be your, your situation with your kids is not the best. It may be your situation with your relationships, with perhaps your parents are not the best. You're going to have to operate based on what you are hearing. And let me share this. I'm going to share this tonight because I believe that what's happening in this world is that things are very quickly, they're shifting from day to night. From day to night. Things are becoming darkened. Hear me now. And I'm talking about a darkened that's incomprehensible dark. You know what I mean by dark? That type of dark where it's, it's not logical. Okay, we're seeing some stuff in the world out there. It's, 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 it's not logical. You can't talk. It used to be a point in time, and that's why I say there should be, it used to be a point in time where some things just made sense, man. You know, the, you, you, could, you didn't have to, you, you don't have to, there were just some values set that just made sense that you didn't have to even be a, have to read even quarter of the Bible, but you just knew some things. We're getting to a point in this world where things are dark. Okay, dark beyond understanding. Young people, I'm going to tell you this. You're going to go to college, and you're going to encounter professors that are living certain ways. They're promoting certain, certain lifestyles. They have certain ways of thinking. They have certain worldviews. And it's going to seem like they know it all. It's going to seem like they have it all. Okay? But in the depths of their heart, you know what the Bible says about them? It says, for the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. It's foolishness. PhDs, but they're foolish. Foolish. John 11, 9 through 10, it says this. It says, Jesus answered, he says, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. And I, I don't want to take this verse out of context, but th- there was a point in time in, in, in which, there, again, I said this before, but there are certain institutions that we considered relatively safe, okay, or neutral. So what I simply mean by that is that, I think I ought to put this now. I'm at a point now, even talking with Pastor Kirk in here in his, 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 his situation, um, I'm not so concerned with my children getting dysfunctional ideas about their sexuality from their friends. I'm not so concerned about my children getting dysfunctional ideas about sexuality and sex from maybe the old time where you, you sent them over to somebody's house and they, their father was a little bit, whoo, you know, and they had some magazines underneath the, the stuffed in here or some videos hid away. I'm not concerned about that anymore. My concern is deeper because the dysfunction that's being taught is coming from the school system. Places I never, I never thought, I never thought, <laughs> no, it's not the friends, it's going to be the school system. 
which is in a whole nother level. Because now it's not, it's not a peer that's saying, come here and see this, watch this. Now it's somebody that is an authority figure with a degree that they respect a trusted servant that I've entrusted to, to teach my child. And this is why I say we're shifting from day to night. And I don't even believe we're shifting anymore. I believe the night's here. Night's here. It's here. Verse 10, it says this. Jesus says this. He says, but if, if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. So Jesus says this. Jesus says that man that is walking the night will stumble, because not because the, the light's not around him, not, not because the, he can't find the light, but because the light is not what? It's not in him. He doesn't have the light in him. Get the next light. There, there's a series of books I used to read, read to my kids. I still do when I get to the library. And, and it's called Madeline. Everybody read this to kids ever? Okay. And I used to love Madeline because Madeline used to have this line right in it. And it always used to read, there's, Madeline's about these, these 12 children that are, 12 girls that are in a monastery. And, but Madeline always has this line in it. It's every Madeline book. It says, in the middle of the night, Miss Clavel turned on the light when she realized that something was not right. Something was not right. Something's not right. And this is exactly what's going on in our culture today. Okay? This world is getting so dark that people are beginning to grasp for some type of light. They're looking for answers. And they're realizing that just like Miss Clavel, something is not right. I can't put my finger on it. It's just, it's, something just doesn't seem right. I had never been to church before, but something just does not seem right. And they're looking around. They're stumbling. Where's that flashlight? Okay, they're stumbling trying to find the light. They're trying to find answers. They're trying to find solutions. But the Bible says that they're going to stumble in the night. This is what Jesus said. Because the light's not where? It's not in them. Go trust the sending. Trust the sending. I've given you the environment that we are in as a culture. You and I have to trust the sending and understanding that people are being woken up. Something is not right. The night's no longer coming. The night is here. And what we are going to have to do, church, is we're going to have to make it up in our mind to not operate based on what we see externally, but what we are hearing from God internally. What is God saying to you? What is he saying to you in your prayer time? What is he saying to you when you open up those scriptures? What is he saying to you when the preached word comes? What is he saying to you in the, your, your discussions at these tables? What is he saying to you when you get with your, when you get with your, your brothers and sisters in the church? What is God speaking to you? You and I are going to have to start operating like the bat. Comments, questions? Last point here. 
Right, one of the first directives that the church heard in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 is, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you should be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And this is directive is given in biblical times, and, and it's, it's still applicable today because at this point in time, we are in the uttermost parts of the earth. So the uttermost parts, here's what the uttermost parts looks like. The uttermost parts looks like your school. looks like your classroom. It looks like the cube that, 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 that person's in next to you, Brother Marchand. It may be that, you know what, you remote, but you can go in, but maybe you decide to go in from now on because you can rub shoulders a little bit. You know what the uttermost parts look like? The uttermost parts look like your, 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 your place of living. That's the uttermost parts. The uttermost parts is your neighborhood. The uttermost parts is the McDonald's that you go to and visit. That's the uttermost parts. The uttermost parts is the place that you go clean the carpets. That's the uttermost parts. The uttermost parts is, is, is where you go work. You just bought a car. That's the uttermost parts. You begin to feel, figure out what are the uttermost parts. We're going to have to start realizing that we're in that last stage, the third stage, which is the uttermost parts. You and I are going to have to trust the sending. Trust the directive. That's the original directive that Jesus gave. Trust the sending. All right. Let's open up here the floor for book discussion. Uh, A lot of rich discussion at these tables. I heard a lot of good points. But uh, I want to open up the forum and allow you to share those. Yes, Comments, questions, thoughts. You guys had some rich discussion. Yes, ma'am. And I have such a burden for our kids. But I'm 68 years old, and I'm not the parent. My grandkids go to schools way out there. But I, I feel like I can't just sit and not do anything, and I can pray. But the young people, the parents and the younger, it just seems like they're bringing the kids alive. They have better ideas, and I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong. You know, I mean, we're all in different areas, but isn't there something we can do as a team, as a body? You know, because the things I'm hearing are just not right. They're not good. It's just like what he says. And they're after our kids, you know, the younger generation and the high school probably, you know. So we have these books here, and what do we do? You know, I mean, as a grandma, I can pray. I can get together with ladies and pray, you know. But I I just can't believe what's going on in the politics and in the school bus drivers in Minneapolis. And I just can't believe what's going on in the schools. I cannot believe it. It's not ever happened. When I was growing up, there wasn't any of that. So then what do we do? It's, it's the dark, yes, but we can't just sit by and let it happen. You're going to have to operate not based on what you can see. And so the first thing you say is all I do is pray? But there has to be more. Can you speak to them? Yeah, I can talk to them. Not said. Here's what, here's what happens, is that we're paralyzed because we don't have all the answers. And so it's that paralysis by analysis. You ever hear that? Yeah. Since we don't have all the answers, we don't do anything. 
And it's that cycle. Okay. You do what you can. Because you know what the Bible said? The Bible said, Jesus said, the harvest is plenty and the labors are few. You know what that means when he says that the harvest is plenty but the labors are few? I'm putting lights on probably right on somebody. Okay. <laughs> harvest is plenty but the labors are few. Okay. He's not lo- no longer talking about the fact of uh, some watered, some planted, okay, time, things need time to grow. He's saying the harvest is plenty. This stuff is ready to be picked. There's no more watering or planting. It's, pr- it's prime for the picking. Trust the sending and go. The steps of a righteous man are ordered. You've got to be stepping, praying. You know what, Lord? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go and reach out. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna speak. I'm gonna speak to them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to them. I'm gonna pray for them. I'm gonna let them know I'm praying for them. I'm gonna ask them: Is there anything they need prayer for? Trust the sending. If it's burden your heart, trust the sending. He didn't put that burden on you for any. It's not, that's not just by happenstance. That's got to be in the Lord. Say what? It's got to be in the Lord. It does. Because that made me so angry. Yeah. <laughs> it's just dumb. It's. <laughs> <laughs> else. Good. Yes, sir. Um, one, of the, one of the members uh, asked me, like, I mean, because my friend, uh, Scott, you know what I mean, and, and me and my son, my sons got locked up, and you know what I mean, and then it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of substance abuse going on around me, even in, like, my softball thing, you know what I'm saying, that, that's, I mean, I'm in the world, you know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a secular thing going on. And I think it was Don. I think it was Don. No, it was Jonathan. Sorry. That was Jonathan asked me, uh, like, Lee, how are you doing? Like, how are you doing? How, how's this, how, how are you being affected in this thing? Or are you being affected? And, and I had never really, <laughs> never really checked on me, man. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's like, Kind of, not kind of, but I'm trusting God. You know what I mean? And, but you allowed me to reflect on what, what the, the events of the week. And all the way up to today, every time, every time that, 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 I, that I came out of prayer or out of scripture and, and, and give, you know what I'm saying? Like at that time, giving myself over to God, something comes. Mm-hmm. Something, somebody comes. Somebody, I'm driving, and somebody comes. I'm in the, somebody comes. And that's when I know. Only right then, not to me, to set it up. Okay, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say, he said, within that hour, it will be given to you. But, and it's like, 
I'm talking about back to back to back to back. Brother Kurt asked me, uh, like, I'm like, it's been not, not bad. It's just been back to back to back to back. Now my mom's here, and you know what I'm saying? The things are kind of settling down. But it's, I think I'm, it's, it's, it's like I'm growing a trust. But he says, submit, submit therefore to God, and then resist the devil. Or, you know what I'm saying? Then I, as long as I don't submit to God first, I got nothing. Right. I got absolutely nothing. And all this, all these well-versed in the Bible, all this does me no good without submitting to God. Last time we, uh, I spoke to you about the fact that we touched on the fact that the church, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the church is carried out for the directive. Uh, Jesus told them to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Is that right? Remember that? Okay. And when we picked up, we took a look at it, the church had only carried the directive so far. Where did they stop at? Stopped at Jerusalem, yeah. Say, so we don't really get to chapter Boy, they didn't even start carrying out the rest of the directive until chapter 8 of Acts. I told you that was anywhere between 4 to 10 years. 4 to 10 years, it took them to actually do what he had said to continue doing. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look. We're going to read a, a passage of Scripture. Brother Lattice is going to read this for us. And um, we're going to read this, and we're going to kind of break it down. I'm going to tie it in in one second here. But this is a point that I've made before, and I, I think it's fascinating Sometimes that we don't trust the sending, and I'm gonna we're gonna tie this back together in one second here. John four, starting with verse four. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore, being wearied with his journey sat thus at the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away to the city to buy meat. Verse 9, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Verse 11. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself? Sorry. And his children and his cattle? Verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. 
Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come, come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that sayest thou truly. The woman said unto, unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Verse 21. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye, ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ, and when he is come, he would tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot, left her water pot, crazy, and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? All right, so just power a lot there. It's a lot there. So let's back up verse 3 to 4. Okay, the Bible says that Jesus in this, is in this region of Judea. And Scripture says he's actually headed up toward Galilee right here. Okay, and I'm going to make three points about this. Let me back up for a second here. Okay, so we're taking a look at John chapter 4. And this is before the directive that Jesus gave in John chapter 1, excuse me, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is before he's given the directive to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. We're now in the Gospels. This is where Brother Ladiff was reading from the Gospels. Jesus has not died. He's not been buried. He's not been resurrected. Okay, he has this, this trip, okay, this trip, and he's going from Judea, and he's headed up to Galilee, okay? And the first point I want to just highlight tonight is that for whatever reason, the disciples do not seem to all be in the loop about this trip. The Bible says that as Jesus is headed to Galilee, he actually stops in a place called Sychar right here. Okay? It's a suburb, essentially, of Samaria. There's another city that's not pictured up here called Shechem, which I think that's where the disciples were. Okay? So they went to Sychar. Jesus stops in Sychar, and he ends up at a well. The Bible scripture says that the disciples, they went further into the city. They went to go buy food. So for what they, this is kind of an isolated event. This woman has a one-on-one -on -one encounter with Jesus Christ. Okay, I don't really know how much the disciples knew. Obviously, you know, you could throw me the, the theological question, old John wrote about it, somebody else wrote about it. Okay, I'll, I'll figure that out later. But for, for the most part, it says that the disciples had all gone into the city to buy meat. Okay? They're not there. And the point that I'm, I want to bring out here a little bit tonight is that, okay, this is an isolated event. 
And oftentimes what you and I do not know is we don't know the work that God is doing in somebody's heart long before you get there. And so what happens is, okay, what happens is God has already been working on their heart. God has already been sending somebody to water years ago. He's already been sending somebody to to toilet the, the, the soil years ago. And I'm hoping, hoping that this can kind of squelch some of the hesitancy that you and I feel sometimes, Sister Langer, okay, the hesitancy that you feel to go because you have no idea the things that God is already preparing, the pathways that he's already working on, okay? And, and what I'm saying by that is that you go in there and they're, more ex- they're ready to receive the gospel, that burden that you had because God's saying, look, I've already paved the way for you. I've already paved the way. And so some of the things that we have to manage is, and we're going to talk about this a little bit tonight, we have to manage that tensions that are external and tensions that we have internally to being able to go. We have tensions both externally and internally to going, to going and making disciples. We're going to talk about these tonight. And one of the principles, and I've heard this, this preached and I've heard it taught, okay, one of the things that when you really begin to take a look at this, okay, Jesus does not really go out of his way, okay, to meet up with this woman, okay? I'm going to show you this, okay? He goes from Judea, and where is he headed now? Watch this. He's up to Galilee, right? Okay, now, he goes straight up there. It's right in his pathway. It's right in your pathway. It's right on your way to work. It's on the bus stop. It's, it's, it's on your, it's, it, they sit next to you at the cube, okay? It's, it's where you are. It's right in your pathway. It's your neighbor. It's, it's, it's the person that you get the pizza from. It's those people that you already know. Now, here's what's happened. Is, and it, I'm going to tell you about this. Okay, how many have heard of that? There's this notion that Jews supposedly would not walk through Samaria. How many have heard of that notion before? They would travel 30 miles outside, okay, because it was Samaritans were despised. Do you remember that? Has anybody heard that before? Okay, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. Complete nonsense. Okay? You know why he needed to go through Samaria? Because it was the quickest route there. That's why he needed to go through Samaria. And I'm going I'm 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 to I'm I'm substantiate some of this. Luke chapter 11, verse 11 through 12. The Bible says Jesus is heading, he's traveling through, and the Bible says in Luke chapter 11, verse 11 through 12, it says that he went through, you know where he went through? He went through Samaria. That's the story of the ten lepers. The Bible says in Luke chapter 9, verse 52 through 54, okay, again, Jesus was headed to Jerusalem, and the scriptures, probably one of my most favorite scriptures, it's just funny, okay, he was headed to Jerusalem. He was on his way to Jerusalem. You know what he did? He not only was worried about going through Samaria, you know what he's planning to do? He's planning to stay in Samaria. So he sent the disciples ahead of him to actually begin to try to find out accommodations. Okay, they rejected him when they found out that he was going to Jerusalem. Okay, that's why they rejected him, because the Samaritans and the Jews, there's a, a strong discrepancy about where the proper place of worship is. That's why when that woman, if you listen to the dialogue that Jesus is having with the woman in the well, it's kind of going okay, and then all of a sudden she kind of gets an attitude. She says, your fathers say worship in Jerusalem. Our fathers say we should worship in the mountain. The reason that hit a nerve with her is because the Samaritans and the Jews have a big issue with where you worship. Other than that, 
They had no problem. It was no problem at all. Well, here's what's happened, and I'm going to share this with you. What I believe has happened is that this happens in Christendom. Okay? There, what we like to do in our culture, and this is, this, is, this is flat out, this is what happens in our culture today. Okay? We have a tendency to embellish cultural tensions. We have a tendency to pour fuel and fire on cultural tensions and conflicts. You know what I'm talking about, okay? We understand, and this is exactly, I believe, what happened. This is how this got to be a common teaching in the church, that Jews went outside, 30 miles outside, way around. Okay, here's what I'm, I'm trying to say, okay? I'm not saying that there was not any strong racial tension between Samaritans and Jews. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that their racial tension didn't go back thousands of years. I'm not saying that. I'm not even saying that there may have been some eccentric behaviors or maybe at one time some rabbi said, we're not going to walk through Samaria. Okay, maybe, but it was probably a one-time event. But what happens is that one-time event got superimposed on our teaching of Scripture. And forever we've always thought that Jews went 30 miles outside of the loop of Samaria. Okay, when you begin to do a lot of research historically, and I'm going to pull this up because go to the next slide, okay? I'll pull up two passages here. This is, an, uh, this is a survey of the New Testament. This is coming from Zondermann. Okay? So this is how wide, widespread this teaching was. It's infiltrated everything. Zondermann. It says, to avoid Samaria, who, who inhabitants the Jews despise, Jews often traveled this road going between Galilee and Judea. Okay? A survey of the New Testament, Grand Rapids, Zondermann. Okay? Survey of the New Testament. This is how infiltrated this is. Okay, it's a it's 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 embellishment of the cultural tensions, which not which aren't necessarily scriptural at all. Go to the next slide. Now, this is a quote from Josephus. Okay, everybody know who Josephus is? Josephus. The reason why Josephus is, I'll say his his works, we give him a little bit more credit, is because Josephus was actually a contemporary with Jesus Christ, meaning he lived during the. He's a, he's actually a man that he's a historian that we draw our works, when we understand Bible culture, we draw them from a person that actually lived during the time of Christ. Here's what Josephus said. He says, it was the custom of the Galileans when they came to the holy city at the time of the festivals to take their journeys through the country of the Samaritans. It was, it was, it was, it was standard. But what happened is we superimposed some of these tensions and begin to embellish this stuff, okay? And here's where I'm getting at this today. What I'm trying to get at today is oftentimes long-standing conflicts and tensions and the details of those frictions get embellished, they get sensationalized, so much so that an isolated event, okay, we start developing all of our own narratives, okay? And when we talk about long-standing conflict, what we're talking about is we have some long-standing conflicts in our culture today that have been embellished. The fact that all Caucasians are against black people. I'm, I'm just saying. The fact that I I, 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 I know I'm not racist. I know black people. That's an embellishment. The idea that I can't be prejudiced. I got the Holy Ghost. You can be prejudiced with the Holy Ghost. Take a look at Peter and Paul. <laughs> you remember that story? The Bible says Peter was sitting here eating, having a good time. And when he found out, 
He scooted over here. Paul had to rebuke him for that. You can be prejudiced and have the Holy Ghost. But what we do is we superimpose things or we, we embellish certain narratives in our culture. And here's what happens. The reason I'm bringing this up is because this, these are the types of things okay, that do not allow us to go through our normal life and begin seeing the people that are sitting in our cubes as the Samaritan woman. That's your field. Your bus, that's your field. You go walking every day. That's your field. The people that you cross, that's your field. It doesn't take any supernatural aspects. Okay? Jesus didn't go out of his way. He went straight when he was going. You know where he stopped in verse 5? The Bible said in verse 5 he went to Jerusalem and worshipped the Father. Okay? So in route to going to Galilee, he actually stopped in. Go back to that map. He actually stopped. You can check this out in verse 5 if you don't believe me. Okay, or excuse me, chapter 5. The map. Come to the back map. Okay, starts in Judea. He's going to Galilee. But he's actually going to start, stop in Jerusalem, and he's going to worship the Father. Okay, hear me now. In, in route to worshiping your heavenly Father, just go straight to it. Straight to it. You don't need to have any type of miracle come down from heaven. You don't need to go around anyway. You don't need to ask, Father, can you drop them here and there? Just go straight to your life and begin opening your eyes and begin going. Okay, second thing I'm going to bring up. Okay, read the story of the woman of the well. There are four levels of tension. There's four, there's probably more, four, but there's four layers of tension that I'm going, to, I'm going to touch on. You got racial tension, you got religious tension, you got gender tension, you got the tension of sin, right? Four layers of tension, okay? He was a man, she was a woman. He was a Jew, she was a Samaritan. He was sinless, she had five husbands. And so here's what I'm going to throw out tonight. What are the areas or layers or differences that divide us externally or internally and inhibit us from going? Does everybody understand that question? When you begin to talk, I'm gonna go, go, when you begin to think about going and the hesitancy that you have, what are those layers, the same layers? You know what Jesus did? I love what Jesus did. She tried to bring up the race car, and he just kept stepping right through. She tried to bring him right down the level, he just kept stepping right through. He didn't even engage her in some of this stuff. He just kept stepping right through. And then finally she goes, our fathers worship at the mountain. Your fathers say worship in Jerusalem. He says, look, lady, I, you, what you need to be worried about is worshiping me in spirit and truth. He didn't engage in any of those layers at all. He just kept stepping right over them. But when you begin to think about your world today, what are the areas and the layers that cause you not to go? Brother Mark. Who's got the mic there? Before I say anything, I want to say that we're having an evangelist come in and everyone needs to be there. But we don't need another evangelist <laughs> to tell us what we already know we need to do. We're not going to get our arms twisted to figure it out. The problem is we have preconceptions that things have to go a certain way. But right now we're looking at a scriptural example that Jesus did something that never should have worked on any level. Everything about it was contrary to this working. He shouldn't have been talking to a woman. He shouldn't have been alone with her. He should, she was a train wreck. She's not even anybody you'd want 
She's, she'd be a terrible evangelist to talk to people. Who would listen to her? She's, got, she's buried in shame. Like, everything about this is wrong. That's why it's given to us. If you're thinking, well, I'd win souls, but if I just need things to go right, and, you know, I need to feel the, the, the tinkle in my, in my spine, and then I'll say, hey, brother, how are you? You know, no, just start doing stuff. You'll make mistakes. It will, you'll, you'll, you'll probably feel really awkward and weird at sometimes, but then it will work <laughs> because God's in it, and he wants to do it. And so in this case, and don't discount it just because it's Jesus did it. Well, Jesus can do it, but I can't. No. <laughs> You're a part of his body. I don't care what the, the obstacles are, whatever the, the issues are that tell you, well, I, I would, but, but. No, get rid of the buts and do it. Talk to people. It doesn't matter if there's whatever differences are between the person that is right in front of you. Talk to them anyway. In fact, that might make it more exceptional that someone like you who is so different than them is talking to something, talking to them about something so pure, real, and true, and they're just, oh, do it. Good. What are the issues? What are the issues that, that, that you don't go, that you don't talk to somebody, that you don't reach out to somebody? What are they? What's holding you and I? What? Politics. Politics, because they don't. Because sometimes well, here's what we think we can do. We we think that you know we're going to our role is to convince somebody of our of a specific political or moral position. And you know what our, your role is to go love on them, go share the gospel. You let God do the work. We think that we're we're to get them on the other side first. Politics. What else? What else? Religion, good. Religion. This woman was a, another religion, wasn't she? Okay, Jesus kept stepping right over that. Where are you going to worship? He kept stepping right over there. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. You're a man. I'm a woman. Uh-uh. I'm coming for you. He just kept stepping right at her, right at her, and bam, he hit her. And the last point he hit her with, you know what? He blew that woman's mind to the point where she said, come see a man. She comes back to her city and says, you guys got to get out of here and see this guy. You gotta come see him. What else? Hood versus the suburbs. Okay? Hood versus the suburbs. It's a different demographics. Different cultural demographics. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Okay? You're in a, this is the this is technically still a suburb, Columbia Heights, it's a rock throw, but it's a suburb of many Minneapolis. Okay? A different dynamic. Okay? Again, if you and I expect to be in the, in the field, you better realize it. You better start smelling like the field. You know what smelling like the field smells like? You know what smelling like the field smells like? You better, be, be, better be, get accustomed to having somebody sit by you that smells like alcohol. Somebody sitting by you that just, brother, can you give me a you better get accustomed to somebody sitting by you that's hungover and they got a headache. Get accustomed to somebody sitting by you. They was chiefing last night. You better get accustomed to somebody sitting by you that smell like they just came from a, whatever type of club. Okay. But I'm going to ask you, you know, if you've been in the father's field, you're going to smell like that. What else? What else that points attention? Yes, ma'am. 
Yeah. 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 Good. Good. Bingo. Perfection. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if I don't have the right words to say to you at the right moment, if you don't say, I want to come to your church, I want to get baptized the next day, and if, if all that doesn't happen and transpire, we're done. Okay. If, if all of that happens, that, that's how it works. It, she's spot on. Spot on. Okay. And so you, it's, again, it goes back in that, you know, analysis by paralysis by analysis. We overthink this thing. Go! Go! I, I agree that we we overthink or just like, God, I don't even know what to say. Like, how do you begin? Um, my, my friend, April, who's been coming, that's been a work in progress for over a year. God put her in my path. My boss actually introduced me to her. She's her cousin. And um, she and my children and I kind of ended up together during a period of my life where I was going through a really rocky, difficult situation. And she kind of became a friend, and we started spending a lot of time together. And during that time, she noticed, of course, that my children and I look different, live different, talk different, you know, whatever. And my kids aren't shy about talking about Jesus or church or anything like that either, which is great. So sometimes your kids will witness for you, you yeah. know, like you don't even Take have to say Take them jokers along. You know, Take them. It's just, I'm just like, all right, fine, we'll go ahead and talk about the Holy Ghost. Yeah. You know, she's probably thinking we're crazy, but okay. Because well, um, honestly, we're discipling our children too, you know, really. And um, every day we live with them. We're discipling them by what we do and what we say and how we live. And while we spend time with her is how we started developing more of a friendship. And we didn't start saying, well, you should come to church with right, us. Right. But it was over time when she started saying, you know, I'm kind of interested in your church because she heard us talk about it or saw us watch it on Zoom, you know, or things like that. She heard bits and pieces about it. And we talked about prayer. We talked about God. We talked about random things about Christianity or God or whatever. But little by little, and we were praying for her, it was seeds. And I think through this, God has been showing me sometimes, yeah, all you do is you're planting seeds and you pray for them. And when they're ready, they start asking more. And they see, they feel the difference. And by this time, she knew we cared about her as a person. She'd gotten burned at other right. churches and yeah. by other Christians yeah. and by people that say they follow Jesus but treat other people horribly. And she started seeing and feeling the difference in whatever it was we had. And when she started going through something that was tough, then she's like, hey, I need to talk with you. Or I really need to come to your church. Make, yes, me too. You want to come with us Sunday? You know, like you can ride with us, like trying to help make it easy. And then she couldn't come for a while, and 
thought, okay, well, she doesn't have to. We can keep a friendship, and I can help her that way. And several months later, when she was ready again, was the, I really need to go back to your church. I felt something there that I just need again. And, you know, sometimes they're not ready yet for the full, the whole Bible study and the whole whatever until they know you care about them and that you're in their life for the long haul and aren't just going to drop a gospel bomb on them and leave, (laughs) you know, kind of thing. I think nowadays people are desperate for something that's real and for people who care and who can live a different life in front of them and show there is a better way. It's dark. Hear, hear me now, because what we think is we think we have to have everything down before we can speak to somebody. Okay, you, you want to watch this now. Watch this. Will, stand up. Do you realize how long you've been in church? Three years. When did you get baptized? Okay, Resurrection Sunday. Okay, about six, was it six months ago, seven months ago? Seven months ago. Within the time he's gotten baptized, already two people... His mother and his grandmother have been baptized. More than two. I'm sorry, three. Cody. (laughs) Forgot about that. Okay, three. 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 He's witness to three because they saw the impact in his life. That's all it took. Say what? Four? All right, you're making it, this. This is it's only proving my point, though. It's it's only proving my point, okay? But we think we got to have all this figured out. We think we got to have all this done, and all he's done is they saw the saw the fruit in his life. They saw him doing things different. They saw that things are changing in his life. He spoke a couple words. You know, everywhere he goes, he speaks. Okay, it, 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 you just started, and three, two, three, four, five, five, five okay. I'm miscounting how many people that right now have gone down the water because they say, I see something different in you. Go. Go. The harvest is plenty, but the labors are few. God's at the point where he's just throwing people out there. Go. All I need you to do is pick them. That's all I need you to do. Just pick it. Just pick it. Okay. We're going to close here real quickly. I should say real quickly. Go ahead. Yes. I'm just not in 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 state of mind to, to deny anybody anything, as much as God has gave given to me, man. You know what I mean? And and I and I noticed that our conversation is just conversation. You know what I'm saying? And and it's like. I don't like it. I don't, I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't like, I don't like myself afterwards, you know what I mean? And, and because it's blood, it's the second conversation.
Yeah. That's what's true. Right. Amen, amen, amen. God's moving. You believe it? God's moving. God's moving. Okay. All right, third point. Samaritan woman is going to go back. I told you before. She goes back to her city, and she, she says those, those words. She says, come see a man. Come see a man. And in this, when she, sa- when she yells this directive, people leave the city, okay, to come to the suburb. People leave the city to come to the suburb. They come out to see Jesus. Okay, And here's, here's where I'm going to tie this in tonight. And I want, to, want you to really understand this from the perspective of, I told you we're going to start in John, and now we're going to go to Acts. Okay? Some of you may know where I'm going with this. All right. We talked about the fact that the disciples okay, stalled in the directive to go spread that gospel, right? They did not carry it out. Okay? Um, it, it was not done with. We don't see that they actually reached Samaria until Acts chapter 8, verse 5 through 8. Okay, that's when the Bible says that Philip went to Judea. Obviously, he met with the Ethiopian eunuch. Okay, and then he goes down to Samaria, and then he walks into Samaria. You know what happens? Like the Pied Piper. The Bible says that the Samaritans, it was a cakewalk. They were eager, and they were ready to receive the gospel. But here's what you and I so quickly do not understand. What nobody probably knew, or disciples, I don't know, I don't even think they, and again, I don't want to superimpose anything on Scripture, but I don't think the disciples ever thought about that fact that Jesus had broke those strongholds with that woman and all that racial stuff back in John chapter 4. He had broken up all that racial tension. He had broken up all that, that those issues. He had people there that were ready, that were hungry, that were waiting. And that's why in Acts he could say, go to Samaria. I've already done the work. All you got to do is walk right in. I've already broken up all that thousands of years of racial tension. Thousands of years of, of telling the stories of the good Samaritans walking across this. All that bitterness and strife. He had broken. Hear me now. Jesus has already broken the back out of a lot of the things that you that are strongholds externally that you are seeing and also internally that you are feeling. All he is asking you is to put one foot in front of the other and go. Just go. Let's stand. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a question. I'm going to quickly answer it. This is a question I asked the last group, and I'm going to question I'm going to pose tonight. What's the difference between discipling and mentoring? Discipling and mentoring, what's the difference? Okay, discipleship and mentoring have a lot in common, a lot in common. All right, but the purpose of discipleship is for replication. It's for replication. Mentorship is for that sole person only. It's, you and I, we get into a mentorship relationship, and mentorship is, is so I can grow in other areas. But discipleship is strictly for the replication to spread the gospel. It's got a specific focus. It's when you begin to pour into people to make sure that they understand their faith, they live their faith, they walk their faith, and they're proficient in sharing their faith in such a way that you can release them and say, look, you know what we're about, you know what this gospel says, Go. Okay, that's discipleship. 
Mentorship pours everything into one person and just sits there. We have been a church that I believe has been pretty sound in mentorship, but we have not been sound in discipleship. Okay, one of the things that Pastor Thompson always used to tell me, he used to tell me, he says, look, and this is what he gave me, is a cross between mentorship and discipleship. He says, Nick, look, what I want is I want you to go farther than I did. Mentorship means I put you on my shoulders and you go farther than I did. That's what it means. Okay, but it's focused on you. Okay, true mentorship when you talk about mentorship in a comprehensive level, if it's pure, if it's godly, it will have a form of discipleship. But what happens is, is when we only look at mentorship from what can I get and grow and learn and, and get, but we never look at saying, how do I pour that back into somebody else, that mentorship goes nowhere. What we've been doing, okay, we've been doing is we partner up, we grow, okay, but the mentorship never goes anywhere else. It's never poured into anybody else. And so we, you know, I, I get a mentor, I get better with my finances, I get better with my marriage, I get better in all these other areas, but I never get better at the most important thing, the most important thing, get proficient at that, and that is sharing, living, and breathing the gospel so that I can replicate it and so that I can go and be able to share that with somebody else. And that's why Jesus said, go, don't make mentors, go make disciples. Go make disciples. Discipleship can be peer-to-peer. Mentorship, hear me now. Okay, and we talked about this. Okay, I can disciple you, but I may not be able to, I can't mentor you. I'm still changing kids in diapers. Okay, you got kids that are beyond that. What am I going to do tell you about raising kids? You tell me about that. (laughs) Okay? I can't mentor you, but I can disciple you. Church, the harvest is plenty. Hear me now. Hear me now. And I'm dead serious. The hour is getting dark, but the labors are few. Will you go into the fields by your father's calling? They're ready. They're begging, they're waiting. He's already done the work. He's already done the work. He's already done it. He's already breaking, he's already working on folks. He's just saying, will somebody go? I need hands to go. I don't have enough hands. The hour, the window is quickly closing and he's coming and he needs people to go. Next week, we're going to do this. We're going to bear down. Pastor Kirk's going to bear down. And we're going to take a look at who's your neighbor. Who actually is your neighbor. And next week, I'm going to challenge you. Pastor Kirk, I'm going to do this. You know I was going to do this. But I want, you, I want you to lock in on somebody, one person in your mind, one person that's in your sphere, one person that you can start saying, I'm going to focus on that one person. Uh, that, that's how I'm going to pray for that one person. I'm going to fast for that one person. I'm going to start a relationship with that one person. One person. God bless you. Please.
Please.